4: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, and you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're riding into a new day, a new opportunity, a new hope, a new life. Uh, And that is the promise. You know, that's the cool thing about uh, our lives. You know, no one responds to reality, ladies and gentlemen. We respond to our map of reality. In other words, we don't respond to what is actually happening. We respond to what we believe is happening. Now, I know to most of you that sounds like a, 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 a thesaurical statement. It's the same thing, just worded different. No, they are absolutely two totally different things. I believe there is a reality. I believe there is truth. Uh, when I think it was uh, Pontius Pilate, I think it was, asked Jesus, uh, what is truth? And he walked away. He didn't want to know the answer. You know why? Because it's easier to believe that there is no truth than to believe that there is a truth and admit that you're not interested in it. Ouch. You know, John, we're going to have to get like an ouch button for this show or something, you know? Ouch. (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. See, he's got one. Uh, Ouch. You know, a good pastor friend of mine before said, yeah. That's right. A good pastor friend of mine, Johnny, used to say, if you can't say amen, then say ouch. And and let's be honest, uh, sometimes it's amen and ouch. Ouch. Yeah, absolutely. So today on Like It Matters Radio, I want to share some insights. You know, I, I went to Minneapolis. We had a great class in uh, Minneapolis. We we started with eight class members and four staff members. And the good news is we, we ended with four staff members. <laughs> we, uh, we ended with six class members. Uh, and we gave out one lower certificate because we give out two different types of certificates, so uh it was a tough weekend and and today I want to talk about that and not talk, just to talk about things I don't talk to talk uh there's actually value in what I have to say, so there's a purpose for it but today, I want to share some insights because um leadership awakening my training, and you can go to like it dot net to read about it. Is the two and a half day situational leadership experience. And I, I'm putting quotes around situational leadership because, you know, certain things you can't really be trained for. You can be trained for how to respond in a difficult situation, but, you know, you can read all the books in the life, uh, uh, lined up in life, and that doesn't help you necessarily. It might help you so you don't freak out, so you have a little knowledge. But you're still going to come upon things that you, uh, weren't expecting, that you didn't prepare for, that you weren't ex- you know, didn't think that were told it was going to be there. I remember when Val was pregnant, she, uh, the book, What to Expect When Inspecting, Expecting, you know, it's a big book. And as much as they can tell you about uh, what's going to happen, what to expect, uh, they can't tell you everything. And there's no book in life outside of the Bible. And the Bible gives you principles. It gives you foundational precepts. It uh, gives you a, a mission, a purpose. It gives you a direction. Uh, but there's a lot of information that's not clearly stated in the Bible. And you've got to figure that out for yourself as well, using the rest of it as the, as the filter, if you will. And so situational leadership is really learning how to respond in situations as they come at you. Uh, and you might not know every situation how to handle it, But you can know the whys, and you can know the how people work and how situations process themselves out. And see, in my training, we learn much about people, patterns, and proclivities, you know. Uh, There are many ways human beings are similar, and there are also many ways we are different. And understanding the similarities and the differences allows for greater relationships, a greater growth, and really life potentiality. And today, I want to reflect on some of those lessons and learnings from my experience this weekend with Team 233. You know... Uh, my class is hard to explain, and uh, we don't tell a lot of people a lot about the class because number one, most people run. We're cowards, and I've always said that. But man, we become so weak as a people, and that's one of the things I want to talk about today because you can tell a man's religion in time of despair. And I create a, a fiery furnace situation. I create a stress test. You know, if you think you got a uh, yeah, yeah, if you think you got a bad heart, if you think you have a heart problems, you know what they do to you. They put you on a treadmill and make you run really fast with all kinds of electrocectopia. What do you want to do, kill me? No. What they want to do is they want to put pressure on you because they want to see how are your arteries, how are your veins, how the heart's pumping, how is all that stuff working when it gets a little intense. Because you can tell a man's religion in time to despair. And when you put pressure on something, you find out where the weak links are. You know, when you got a small, slow leak in your tire, you want to blow up that tube a little larger than normal and then stick it in some water, see where it's coming out. You know, when for football, you go to two-a-days in in summer. You get ready for the OTAs, organized team activities, but you do two-a-days. You do drills. You get pushed. You get taxed. In the Army, we call it boot camp, right? And so my class is hard to explain, but it's really that type of process. And the best way I've ever heard to explain it uh, is in a story about George Bernard Shaw, the the famous writer. And if you've, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you've heard me say it. Uh, and if you've heard this story before, I want you to put on new ears. Listen to it as if you're listening to it for the first time. Because so many times we've been there, done that, heard that, got the t-shirt, that we don't process the lesson. And there's still a lesson. Even if you know the lesson, we've got to be reminded. Remember, the number one commandment in the Bible has nothing to do with sex, drugs, or rock and roll. It has to do with remembering. Leaders remember the right things. And so George Bernard Shaw, the famous writer, uh, near the end of his life, was with a group of reporters. And one of the reporters asked George a question. He says, hey, George, if you could live your life all over again and you could be anybody you wanted to be, who would you be? He thought about it for a moment and uh, he said, you know what? If I had the ability to start all over. Uh, with the same base of knowledge I have today, uh, and I could be anybody I wanted to be, I would be the George Bernard Shaw that I could have been. And when he was talking about living his full potential without the fear, without the doubt, without the limiting belief systems, because no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. I remember a farmer was taking three of his donkeys for sale to the market, and on the way he saw a river and decided to have a dip. Since he only had two ropes to tie the donkeys to tree, he, he came up with a conundrum, right? He had three donkeys. He only had two t- the ties. So he l- looked around what to do with the third one. Is there, is there somebody around could help me? Is there, is there something I could use? And as he was looking around, he saw a sage and, and sought his help. You know, maybe he could give him a rope to tie the third donkey. And so he went up to the sage and, and the sage did not have a rope, but he did have a suggestion. And although he wanted a rope, Without a rope, a suggestion is the next best thing. So the sage told the farmer, let the third donkey see you tying the other two donkeys to a tree. Make sure he's watching him. Then you pretend to tie the third one also. And he looked at him perplexed, but he said, okay. So he went back and the farmer did as he was told. He tied the first two up and then pretended to tie the third one up and made sure he watched him so that he would think he was tied up. So he went for a dip and river, and coming back, he thanked the sage and saw that the donkey stood exactly at the same spot where he'd left him. So he went, and he untied the two donkeys and patted the third one as they started to move. And after going a little distance, he was surprised. The, the third donkey didn't move. He was still what? at the same spot. So the farmer did everything he could to make the donkey move, cajoling, kicking, talking, you know, pulling on him. It wouldn't help. The donkey refused to move from the spot. Again, perplexed, he needed some help, he went back to the sage. And he told his sage the predicament. And the sage looked upon him and said, untie the third donkey. But, but, protested the farmer, I have not tied him. The sage said, you know that. I know that. But does the the donkey know that? And sure enough, the farmer went back and pretended to untie the donkey. And with that, the donkey moved immediately. As though released and walked over to join the other two donkeys. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we can get all bound up with the strangest things, imaginary or real. The unconscious mind does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. Many have been tied to the future based on ropes and knots that were secured in the past. We can get so tied up by so many imaginary ropes, imaginary things, which really are non existent. So, today on Like It Matters Radio, We're going to talk about people, patterns, and proclivities. We'll be right back.
5: Who am I? I don't know. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many
2: different trainings. Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well,
3: the number one thing
2: that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another
5: level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net.
0: Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon, We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Take Freedom 1570 with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests and more, all from the app. Just search for Freedom 1570 in the App Store.
4: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black. And today we're talking about patterns. We're talking about people. We're talking about proclivities. And I love that word. I love a good word. John, we haven't had a good word of the day for a long time. So today, why don't we make it proclivities? You know, it's such a great word. Uh, what does proclivity mean? That's what my wife asked when she typed up. You know, I send up my little thing, my little explanation about today's radio show, and then my wife will put together a picture. She does all the pretty stuff; I do all the dirty stuff. So uh, she goes, "What does proclivity mean?" Uh, and I did my best to explain it. And w- what I told her, just to let you know, without looking it up, because I always like to see how well I do know a word. Uh, I put there, uh what did I put? Preferences, patterns of behavior, likes, ways. So off the top of my head, preferences, patterns. So I had to look it up. So I had to tell you guys, what does proclivity mean? Quote, uh a tendency to choose or do something regularly, an inclination or predisposition toward a particular thing, like having a proclivity for hard work. A proclivity, a natural propensity or inclination, a predisposition, a proclivity for exaggeration, a proclivity to complain, and lastly, these are three different dictionaries, an inclination or predisposition towards something especially, a strong inherent inclination towards something objectionable. That's interesting. I didn't hear, the first time I heard a slant on what that is, but what I'm talking about is patterns, patterns. We get what we get in life because of what we do. You know what? Team 233, I started with eight students, I told you. Ended with six. Of the six, five got the top certificate. One got the lower certificate. And yet, I'm going to tell you right now, outside of those two who quit, those six, Uh, They are experiencing things this week that are almost impossible. Life looks different. They're having different conversations with people. They're having different experiences. Uh, They're connecting. They're hearing. They have a sensory acuity that's heightened, so they're seeing things clearer. They're hearing things better. They're sensing things more cleanly. They have their spider senses on. Uh, They're feeling joy and emotion. Uh, It's a great, great feeling. You know why? Why? Because of what they went through. The reason we're getting what we're getting today is because of what we've been doing. And if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll keep feeling what we're feeling. However, if we quit doing what we're doing, eventually we stop feeling what we're feeling. You know when Christ went to was talking to the seven churches the book of uh, uh Revelation the first two chapters or three chapters chapter 2 and 3 he said the church of Ephesus says, I have one thing against you you've forgotten your first love goes back go back to doing what you did at the beginning notice he didn't say go back to feeling he said go back to doing because the feeling comes from the doing. And some of you are waiting for the feeling to get the doing, but you can't get the doing. Uh, uh, you can't get the feeling without doing, and people don't want to do, they want to blame. So, one thing I love about our training is it is situational leadership, it allows us to see. Uh, what's going on in people's head and hearts, I put a lot of pressure, I squeeze them. Because one thing I learned a long time ago is there are a lot, many similarities with people. My background is in neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a master practitioner. Uh, I am. That's my forte. Uh, and one thing I learned about, and it'll be a long time ago, is it taught us that the brain is a sensory-based organ. So we store data. We only experience things in a very limited surface experience because we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. So most things are being stored unconsciously, and we have a lot of similarities, a lot of patterns. When studying NLP, studying the psyche of human beings, studying the physiology and how different things affect people the same way, you can see patterns. You know, as different as we all are, 99.9% of our DNA is similar. It's identical. We all come from the same God goo, and one-tenth of one percent is the difference, Now, there's something like 3 billion pairs, genetic pairs, that make up uh, all of our characteristics. And so even one-tenth of 1%, right? That's a lot. Still, I think, 3 million pairs. But there's also similarities in how we respond, what we do. That's why they reference the book, The Games People Played by Dr. Eric Byrne, because it identifies about 140-something games, psychological games, that most people are playing. And very few people are winning anything, but everybody's keeping score. And that's the problem. And so I see patterns. And as I put pressure on people, people respond similarly. That's why we say you can tell a man's religion in time of despair. Because the commonality of the pattern is that when people are squeezed so hard, their backs are pushed against the wall, you get the innate. You get the the heart. That's why, you know, you, you can see someone's heart when their lives are falling apart. That's why I always tell my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, God cares how we suffer. I know that sounds me. I know it sounds cruel. I know that sounds strange, but God does. Because the way we suffer tells a lot about our faith. The way we suffer tells a lot about our attitude. The way we suffer tells a lot about our core belief systems. And one thing that is similar between all human beings is we all have pain. Different levels, different intensities for different reasons, at different predispositions, whatever you want to call them, or should I just call it dispensations, right? And so one thing I learned a long time ago, it's a commonality. And the way people process pain tells a lot about people. So you can exercise and sustain personal leadership only to the extent of your capacity to bear pain. This is a quote by John MacArthur. If you can't bear your own pain, then you can't really lead. If you can respond to and bear only the pain of your family, then your family represents the full scope of your leadership potential. If, however, by God's grace, you can recognize and bear the pain of those around you, then the breadth of your leadership potential is limited only by the scope of your burden and capacity. You can tell a man's religion in time of despair. You can tell how the heart's going to react when you put a little pressure. That's what a doctor does, a stress test. That's what boot camp in the army is about. To put some pressure on you, to teach you how to keep your head when other people are losing theirs. To ratchet up the pressure around you, the intensity around you. I'm a pretty hardcore guy. I push people. My daughter and my sons, my oldest son, Faith and Christian, I raised them on my own. Nothing frazzles them. They grew up with Mr. Black. I push, I, I'm a squeezer, I'm a pusher, I'm an agitator. They learned all through their childhood how to function at a high level in a stressful environment. I have two other sons. A major, who's 16, who I lost custody of him when I was eight years old, when he was eight years old. Uh, and he went to uh, basically his mom's taken over since then and she's used the court to abuse me and separate us. And so my son, Major, is his mom's son. In other words, uh, he, he's, he's a snowflake. He gets frazzled easy. He can't handle pressure. He shuts down under pressure. When I is seven years old. Uh, and I realize I've kind of been treating him a little too much like major, not enough, not enough like Christian faith. And so he doesn't handle pressure well. He freaks out. He said we're teaching him emotional intelligence. And so lately, seven years old now. I've been purposely putting a little more pressure on him because normally he'd freak out. He'd start crying and all that, and I'd just back off. I'm now putting – he's got to learn how to handle himself in stressful situations. He's got to learn how to have some pressure because what I've seen is not good. And this is where I'm going for a full circle. What I'm seeing in my class is not good. This weekend in class 233, man, we had two people quit. One of them was so negative, so bitter. Her father paid for a class. She didn't pay a penny. She's a single mom, uh, been divorced already at a young age. Uh, and, man, just really dark. And she had no esteem, nothing. And yet she talks about love the whole time. Well, I got Galatians 5.19 to where it was tattooed on my back because love, it's all about love. And yet she walked out of class. She was nasty to people. She was mean. Um, She was given a $2,000 gift and didn't show any appreciation at all. But here she's all about love. When another young woman who's wanted to go to my class for three years, I have a graduate who uh, we don't share a lot of beliefs. Uh, I'm a born-again Christian committed. Uh, She's uh, uh, walking with God. I'm not sure where she's at in that relationship anymore. Um, She lives a different alternate lifestyle, a homosexual lifestyle. Again, I got friends that are like that. I'm not saying that, I'm not condemning her. Uh, I'm a sinner too. I got my own stuff. I got to deal with it. That's between me and God too. So, but she also is around a lot of people that are LGBT, a lot of people who have medical situations and thus need pain pills and all that. And so, this is her, her group, this is her environment. And so, one of these young ladies, she sent her to me, and she's wanting to go to my training for three years. We met her three years ago. She has a brain tumor. She has chemotherapy on a regular basis, and she knows how what we do is really hard. And so, she wanted to go out there in training. She said, don't don't feel sorry for me. Don't don't uh, change the bar, and I don't do that. I would pull her aside, and make sure she's okay. We'd get her wa- extra water and move her chair sometimes when we're moving. And but I push everybody. I told her that, and she told me not to feel sorry for her and all that. So. It, you can put on a good face for 24 hours. So usually by Friday at lunch, to, I mean, after lunch before dinner, people hit a wall. And so she hit a wall. I'm pushing her, pushing her, pushing her, checking on her, make sure she's okay, but still pushing her. And she says, okay. Now the class isn't coming together. We got two couple negative people, she being one of them. And so Val goes in at lunch, dinner time, and tell him to get ready and all that. And she snaps at Val. Says, you know, I got brain cancer. You know, I got a tumor. You know, I got... And... I mean, she just went off She's we're only functioning off for three hours of sleep and, and she's going off and attacking my wife. Now, I'm paying for this woman to be here. She begged me to be here for three years. We pulled her aside and we concerned for her. But she basically then went home, quit without telling us, went home. And then I met her girlfriend at graduation, her girlfriend, the girl she's dating, who was there with her friend, was there and she was asking me all these questions, so so, is humiliation a, a part of the process? you think I've So, is that why you turn to God? Because you don't think you can. I mean, she asked these pointed, mean questions. She was nice about it. But here's the problem here's a woman that said, Don't treat me different. Don't feel sorry for me. Treat me like everybody else, like everybody says. And then we did that and gave her a $2,000 gift, and she freaked out and attacked us. Called his name, called his this. See, this is what we're talking about. And today, what we're talking about at Like It Matters Radio are p- patterns, people, and proclivities. Because when you know who you are, what to do is a lot simpler. We'll be right back. Come on,
3: man.
0: In 1981, Heritage Christian Academy began with 13 students. Today, they celebrate God's faithfulness with 550 students in grades pre-K through 12. God has shown His provision for HCA for 40 years. Let me introduce one of God's faith-filled stories.
1: Hi, my name is Tim. In 1989, we trusted this school to begin educating our kids. Nowadays, we trust it to educate our grandkids. I still coach here, and my wife now works here. Heritage has become much of the central fabric of our lives. We love this school for all the moments that happen when so many people invest in and commit to one another. Those moments build into real relationships, many of which last a lifetime. We love and appreciate the partnership Heritage has with parents. Heritage Christian Academy is very much together in the education of the children whom God has entrusted to them.
0: For more information about Heritage Christian Academy in Maple Grove, visit heritageweb.org. Heritage Christian Academy, equipping minds, engaging hearts, and encountering Jesus Christ.
1: Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Who
4: are you? I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Bye. I am black. And you are back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. And that's what we did this last weekend in Minneapolis. Uh, we uh, changed uh, really 12 lives. Even I believe even the two people that quit. The one woman that quit—I mean, my wife had a—my uh, wife smokes, uh, so she was outside and she quit. She was smoking, said, so, "Listen, I'm not going to talk in the because you're quitting." But she said, "You know, if nothing else, you gotta—you gotta—you know—you gotta fix some stuff. You know, gotta, gotta fix some stuff. you are you you are really broken. That those kids. She is—she's a single mom of a couple kids, been through a divorce. That so the number one cause for abuse and molestation uh, is a man in the home who's not the father, biological father." And here this woman has abuse in her past. She's a single mom with a couple kids that are going to have abuse in their future if they don't already have it now because usually abusers begat abusers. Molesters begat molesters. uh, Alcoholics usually begat alcoholics. But you can scratch those CDs. You can break those LPs. And see, what I see in my classes... And it's getting darker and darker and darker uh, is what's happening in society. That's why I can tie the two together. This article just came out the other day. Uh, I don't know where I got it from. I'll just read you a clip from it, though. Uh, It says more than 500 kids between the ages of 10 and 14 died by suicide in 2020, according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, making it the second leading cause of death in that group, and as common as children that age being killed in car crashes. And yet, as Andrew Solomon writes uh, in this week's issue, while the rate of youth suicide has been rising, there remain few, therape- ther- few therapeutic interventions for children with depression. Do you hear that? The recent death of one of his son's classmates gives the story a personal urgency and serves as an example of a central challenge. Children are often secretive about suicidal impulses. Parents are often in denial. This heartbreaking, impressive story is a call to action. I see it. How about this? Totally different article. Same day. Government-mandated COVID lockdowns sparked severe health crisis among teens as teachers' union pushes their own personal policy. Teenagers saw an increase in mental health issues stretching from persistent feelings of loneliness to suicide suicidal thoughts last year amid school shutdowns and government-mandated restrictions during the pandemic. These data echo a cry for help, CDC acting director says. The COVID-19 pandemic has created traumatic stressors that have the potential to further erode students' mental health well-being. Do you hear that? The COVID-19 pandemic has created traumatic stressors. They have the potential to further erode students' mental well-being. One research shows that surrounding youth and the proper support can reverse this. 44%. That's the number. Last year, 44% surveyed just in the first six months reported feeling persistently sad or ready for this, helpless and hopeless. Figures up from 26%. It's went up almost 80% since that was done in 2009, in 10 years. Uh, stunning. Overall, 37% of high school students reported poor mental health, and nearly 20% of teens have contemplated suicide. Why does that matter? Because who do you think these little kids grow up to be? Teenage moms, or teenage uh, recipients of abortions, or a guy, a a, a girl who has had f- five boys, five men in life, five living boyfriends, uh, three of them created children for. Her. I mean, this is the wow. Problem. And we put pressure on people, and what comes out in our class shows what's going on in their head and their heart. The Bible says the sins of the Father go three to four generations for those who uh, uh, hate God and what you're starting to see it. So this is why I teach six words. In my class, I give show people we have these six tools in the toolbox. Why? Because just like the problems are the, similar for people – just like the struggles are similar. When when Jesus walked on this planet, he walked in the form of a human so that he could experience what we experience. So he could walk a mile in our moccasins. So he could have true empathy. We have a daysman. We have a, a, a high priest who knows our struggle, who knows our pains because he's walked in our shoes. And that's why I can help people. And right now, this mentality of uh, a critical race theory is nothing more than the drama triangle. All this hatred on race, on their pushing black people are victims, white people are persecutors, where LGBTQT has more precedence than cisgender, when homosexuality is the preferred mechanism. See, I don't think it should be outlawed. I don't think we should condemn someone for their sins. Uh, homosexuality is not the impartable sin. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, your sin is between you and God. My sin is between me and God. The difference is when you attempt to say something that God says is bad and attempt to make it good. There's a difference there. I admit that. Uh, I don't want to pretend like adultery's good. I don't want to pretend like lying's good. I don't have a cheater's parade. Not going to uh, do that, hey, it. Hey, I cheated on my wife, so I'm having a parade to talk about how cool it was that I cheated. We don't have a parade for ta- people who don't pay their taxes. We don't have a parade for people who hate on other people as a general rule. So we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God, but we've got to be careful what we attempt to make good when God says it's bad. And what's going on is the drama triangle. And see, when I put pressure on people, like this young lady who I helped, who I paid $2,000 to go to my class, who no one would help her, who she can't uh, do what she needs to do, she's abandoned left and right, and here's some stranger who has totally different beliefs. I believe in the God of the Bible. I don't think she does. Uh, I believe a a marriage between a man and a woman and what God brings together, let no man bring us under. I don't think homosexuality is normal behavior. I don't think we were made that way. And again, I don't think she's evil. I don't think she should be condemned to hell. Uh, I don't think she should be arrested. I don't think her activity should be banned. I'm just telling you, we think differently. I've never, you know, and yet we paid her money. And yet when things got tough, she, her victim stance showed up. Remember, the drama triangle by Stephen Cartman, K-A-R-P-M-A-N, is three positions, is the upside-down triangle, upside-down triangle, and this is what's going on in America. You have the victim, and then on one side of the top is the persecutor, on the other side is the rescuer, and this is how it works. Dr. Cartman was a student of transactional analysis at the time he identified these three roles on the drama triangle. And there's a resemblance to the critical parent, the persecutor. This is Dr. Eric Byrne's work uh, in transactional analysis. There's a resemblance to the critical parent who's the persecutor, the marshmallow parent gets walked over, which we would call a rescuer, and the wounded inner child, which is something I deal with and a lot of other people deal with, what we would call a victim. And Eric defined these, Eric Byrne, Dr. Byrne, in the games people play. And what gives the drama triangle much of its power and significance is the recognition that people switch roles and cycle through all three of these roles without getting out of the triangle. See, that's what this woman did. She she has totally different beliefs than me. Uh, She lives a lifestyle I don't condone. And by the way, I probably do the same thing for her. I helped her out, did everything I could for her. She walks out on us, then attacks me and tells her girlfriend uh, that I humiliate her and we do this and we do that. None of that's true at all. I was loving on her. And here's the key, victims depend on a savior, rescuers yearn for a basket case, and persecutors need a scapegoat. That's how the drama triangle works, we go from one role to the other, and we never get off the triangle. See, the trap is people are acting out these roles to meet personal, and these are often unconscious needs, rather than being able to see the picture as a whole and take responsibility. There's this book called The Three Faces of a Victim, an overview of the drama triangle by Lynn Forrest. And here's an excerpt from it. Dad comes home from work to find Mom and Junior engaged in a battle. Clean up your room or else. That's the persecutor Mom threatens. Dad immediately comes to Junior's rescue. Mom, he might say, give the boy a break. He's been at school all day. Any one of several possibilities might follow. Perhaps the persecutor Mom, feeling victimized by Dad, will turn her wrath on him. In that case, she moves dad from rescuer to victim. Then they might do a quick trips around the triangle with Junior on the sidelines. Or maybe Junior joins dad in a persecutory role. Let's gang up a mom approach. Or then again, maybe Junior will turn on dad, rescuing mom with, Mind your own business, dad. I don't need your help. So it goes with endless variations. But nonetheless, pinging from corner to corner on the triangle. And for many families, it's the only way they know how to interact. And what's needed is for someone on the triangle to wake up, wake up to the roles that we are playing repeatedly. One person shifting out of a role can catalyze the other to shift out of roles and behaviors. What's especially helpful is that when the victim begins to, quote, grow up, Grow up, victim, and take responsibility for their own empowerment and source, resourcing themselves to meet their own needs. See, every role the drama triangle has its payoffs. Victims get to be taken care of, rescuers get to feel good by caretaking, and persecutors get to remain feeling superior to both victim and rescuer. But the cost? Perpetua- perpetration of a dysfunctional social dynamic. And to miss out on the possibilities and responsibilities of healthy, resident, resilient relationships, and that's what I'm seeing in class. So what I do, just like the problems are the same, just like people's patterns are the same, I want you to know the tools and the way to fix it are the same too. That's why in my training, I hit six key tools, six key things that are in everybody's box, and they're just words. their team, TEAM, their vision their purpose, their passion, their focus, and their commitment. And those six tools in your toolbox are what help us overcome. And what I do is I inbred those into the culture in the weekend class. And it is situational leadership at its finest. People learn about themselves. They learn about their strengths. They learn about their weaknesses. They fall flat on their face. They get emotionally hijacked to respond in ways they're not proud of. They have all these illogical thoughts like, why is he doing this to me? He's so mean, he's this and that. And yet none of that's true. And as they push through that, we overcome, we keep them focused on purpose. We keep them moving with passion. We start creating a team. We create a vision, some hope for moving forward. We get them focused on on that vision forward, and then we make them commit, heart, body, and soul. And by doing that, even the biggest skeptic, The biggest person shut down, it changes their life. They open up. And so after the break, I'm going to go into those six tools and help you realize that we all have these tools and we can all fight a better fight. I'm Black. We'll be right back.
3: If you're not in one way or another a victim of something from our society, you lose ground.
1: Come on, man.
5: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many
2: different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another
5: level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Sightseeing in Paris,
0: at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Catch up on the latest news and information affecting Minnesota's great outdoors with Outdoor News Radio on Freedom 1570. We talk hunting, fishing, and natural resources in the great state of Minnesota every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Joining me, Rob Jerislein, our guests like bow hunting expert, Tony Peterson, professional anglers like Tackle Terry Tuma and Tim Losmeister, and nature gurus like the bird chick, Sharon Saylor. Sundays at 8 a.m. on Freedom 1570, it's Outdoor News Radio. Wake up with the Freedom 1570 Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint in a detailed yet concise manner. Sign up at Freedom1570.com.
3: Just use the keyword subscribe. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening.
0: For probably two-thirds
2: of my any other leadership program that i've been through i mean in 48 hours of leadership training in your program it was just it was dynamic it was intense it was powerful you know it was was amazing it was amazing
3: leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmatters.net schedule for the next leadership awakening
4: you ain't black don't jive me not a joke not a joke, this is Black, you are back, under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. Today we're talking about creatures of habit. We are these repetitious uh, creatures. And the reason why we're doing what we're doing today is because we've done it before. Unless you have a life shake-up, unless you have a reset, uh, you'll never reach your potential. You've got to have this reset. Uh, so cool. I have a, a group of people up in Wisconsin. Uh, they're with a group of, uh, Henry Shine Dental. I've done a lot of work with them. Uh, one of the CFOs or uh, presidents of Henry Shine Dental, uh, or sales, maybe he's the director of sales. He had sent some of his family members through about 12, 15 years ago. So they had, uh, they, uh, have a daughter and their daughters get married and so they sent their son in law to my class over the weekend. And I haven't uh, talked to them in probably a dozen years, maybe 10 years, I don't know, somewhere around there. And so at the end of the training, we have people answer four questions. It's called Share Your Fire. And the first one being, briefly share what your biggest block in life or business was. And this was this young man who's getting ready to get married to their daughter. My biggest block in life was my ability to hold myself accountable. I got so caught up in my work and stress that I would make promises I would never keep. People started to see this, and it added concern. How will experience of leadership awakening affect your life? The experience has really provided me with a chance to reset. That's what he said, a chance to reset. I will now move forward understanding that what I truly want uh, in my everyday life and make sure that I held myself accountable for my actions and what I commit to doing. Here's a woman you might hear from this weekend up there in the Twin Cities area. Uh, she goes to uh, on me on my trips to Sturgis with a bike wash. She went through class. She said, briefly share what your biggest block in life was. My biggest block is me, my self-talk. Having to have it all figured out, my walls of fear and rejection, how we experience change your life. I can shut down or not allow altogether the voices in my head. I can believe in myself more than that. I'm aware of the walls that I allow in my life. This is something I choose to not allow. It shows you what you're made of. It pushes you to go deeper, tests, resolve, opens doors, breaks down walls, and brings freedom. What's that? In a few words, why should someone attend Leadership Waking? So she said. It shows you what you're made of. Pushes you to go deeper, tests resolve, opens doors, breaks down walls, brings freedom. Man, that's good. One. we got to keep that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I couldn't have written that any that better. That's what we do. And this woman uh, is a woman uh, probably in her 60, early 60s. She looks better than that. She's been married 42 years. She walks with God. Uh, she got successful kids, owns her own business. So this is not some screwed up woman. This is a woman who wants more in her life, who wants to better. And that's what we do. I don't care if your life is good or broken. That's what we do. We put a stress test. We help you ask and answer important questions. And the great news is, Minneapolis, we're coming back June 30th through July 2nd. So Thursday, June 30th through Saturday, July 2nd. We'll be adding it to our website today. We'll be throwing up some commercials. So you got one more chance, uh, Twin Cities, Uh, June 30th. We'll have 12 spots available to change lives. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to show you a pattern. I'm going to create an environment for you to understand these six tools that we all need. One thing I do in my training, I don't make people dependent on me. I give people the keys to the kingdom. I teach them how they work, how they create experience, how they do what they do. And so if they want to do something different, they want to get something different, then they can do something different. And I'll teach them how it works. And so those I tell them basically you all have a toolbox. And when you come here, I open up the toolbox and I show you how to use your toolbox. I show you tools that you always have. I didn't give them to you. I'm just pulling them out. I'm just showing you. And yeah, I will put a couple extra tools in your toolbox. But go to likeitmatters.net. Go to likeitmatters.net. Uh, I promise you, and you'll hear from some of the people tomorrow, uh, and on Thursday, uh, that went through my training. Toughest thing they've ever done, were pushed, were challenged. It was 48 hours that they swear they were there for 10 days or two weeks, uh, and you got more than you could ever share on a one hour radio conversation. But let me show you those six, six tools before we leave today. And the first one is team. See together everyone achieves more No man is an island rocking rock unto himself We were created for relationship people And apart from relationship Even God said in the beginning I think it's Genesis 1 or Genesis 2 Where God says He created man and He said it was not good for man to be alone So God put Adam into a deep sleep And Adam took out one of his ribs I mean God took out one of Adam's ribs And from that created woe man Because out of man came her Woe man Woe man and you get a good woman, when you find that woman, you fall in love with men. I believe besides most great men, besides many great men, is a great woman. I really do. Because, whoa, man, she puts a stop to you. She look, you look at her with that thing in your eyes and that palpitation in your heart and that desire that, man, I want to serve that woman. Uh, I want to walk with her through this journey called life. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the opportunity to do that with lots of people in my class. Together, everyone cheese more. And what a team is, should do is like equipment. It should allow you to do more, it should allow the more that you do to be easier, and it should be allow the more that you do easier to be enjoyable. And I teach you that in a class. A vision. We all need vision. It's uh, like Dr. King said, I have a dream. What kept Dr. King going was a dream. And without hope, uh, people have no reason to move on. You know, to me, vision and hope are very uh, synonymous. They're the same thing. Hope uh, means that no matter what's going on today, tomorrow can be better. Same thing with vision. It doesn't matter what's going on today. If you can envision a better tomorrow, it gives you a reason to get up, to pick yourself up when you get knocked down, to dust yourself off and hit it again and again and again, mm. which, which brings you to this purpose, right? It was Nietzsche who said he who has a why can bear almost any how. Why do you get up each day and do what you do and go home at night, get up the next day and do it again and again? What's your purpose? How about this? What do you want so bad that you're willing to be uncomfortable for two and a half days? What do you want so bad that you're willing to invest two thousand dollars to better your life? What do you want so bad that will you humble yourself before the Lord and before man and figure out what's holding you back and where you're going? What do you want so bad in life that you're willing to pull over your car from the rat race of life, from the highway of life, and take a personal inventory? Take a look at your strengths and your weaknesses. Work on reinforcing the strengths and minimizing soft areas. Clean up some of the stuff from the past that's not serving you well. And what about passion? Passion is your emotional energy. It is passion that gives you fuel for the journey. And most people's tank is empty. Oh, they're still doing. They're still throwing their body around letting people play with it. Oh, they're still uh, letting people do a mail-in ballot for them. Oh, they're still doing all that. They're still taking credit. They're still getting their refund checks they're their, their uh, food stamp cards and their free obama phone but what's driving them where's the significance where's the living beyond ourselves and i'm seeing that more and more in class that people just are wrapped up in their own petty experience that they do their own thing even when they listen to me and push they don't bring other people with them which brings us to a focus where is your focus and what is your focus are you is your focus on feeling sorry for yourself are you focused on being a victim Are you the focus on because you feel guilty about your past now wanting to go out there and be all woke and wanting to defeat the problem of racism with racism? Are you now hating on haters? Are you now uh, destroying those that you think are going to destroy everything? Are you now so closed-minded for those you think are so closed-minded? Isn't it amazing the hypocrisy of all those haters on the left and the right, by the way, too? That we chastise and criticize everybody else. Boy, if Hunter Biden was Hunter Trump, he'd be in jail. Not a joke. Uh, Bi- Biden would be impeached five times already. Come on, man. But since Hunter and Joe are Democrats, and since the media got them elected... And since Facebook spent half a billion dollars to put uh Biden team members in the uh, election offices so that they could do their work from the election offices on the company dime, look at the half a billion dollar uh he spent. And that was to get Democrats into election offices so that they could do all the stuff they were doing and get paid by the government for doing it. Look it up. I know some people don't like the truth, which brings us that word commitment. See, what lacked in this class From the five that got certificates of commitment, heart, body, and soul, and the three that didn't, was that one word, commitment. And you know what's needed to have commitment? Trust. And right now, we can't trust that we have fair elections. We can't trust that we're going to be able to get our jobs back. We can't trust that we can walk around without a mask. We can't trust that we can buy gas for our car. We can't trust what the government's telling us. We can't trust that our borders are being protected. We can't trust that law enforcement officers are going to be safe so they can keep us safe. So don't you see what's going on? People are struggling. The Cobra effect is uh, going to be greater than we could ever imagine. There are people hurting and struggling. You gotta fix your. The battles in the mind. Let me resuscitate your heart. Let me help you reignite your thinking. Put you in the proper mode of thinking. The 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 creative thinking. The the effective thinking. The logistical thinking. Come on, people! It's all about the heads and the hearts. Go to likeitmatters.net. Let me help you clean up the head and the heart. You're under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I'm Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does.
0: Oh, cheats and liars.
4: What we do in life echoes
0: in eternity. Stop this insanity, please